Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm Tirza Price, coming to you from Book Riot. This is episode 329.5, and this week I'm going to be diving into the stacks to talk about two great dreamy graphic novels. But first, let's hear from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy. Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing, even if everyone believes they're behind the deaths of their ex-girlfriends. Let us all take a collective angry sigh at that. Lauren O'Brien, the new girl at school, has a dark past of her own, and she's desperate for a fresh start. Except when she starts a relationship with Robbie, her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across evidence that might just implicate Robbie. And after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. This is an edge-of-your-seat YA thriller that's perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson. Make sure you pick that up now wherever books are sold. And thank you once again to The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy for sponsoring today's show. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95 And she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Arena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. All right, so I picked the books that I'm going to talk about today because I feel like even though they are very different genres, they have very similar vibes. I've been reading a lot of graphic novels and graphic memoirs lately. I just moved to a new town with a library that has a great graphic selection. So it's been really fun to kind of just, you know, pick through books that I have missed over the years or finding some new to me backlist and new books. So um, one of these books I read recently and I really loved and it kind of reminded me of another book I read a couple of years ago. So we're going to start with A Map to the Sun by Sloan Leong, which is a gorgeous graphic novel that came out last summer. It is about two friends 
Ren and Luna, um, they meet at the beginning of the book, and I think they're in middle school at that point. And they strike up this very intense, fast friendship. They meet on the basketball court near the beach where Ren goes every day to shoot hoops and Luna is a surfer and she kind of comes across Ren and they both just play basketball together. And it's a really beautiful friendship, but towards the end of the summer, it falls apart when Luna has to go back to Hawaii where she's from um, because her mother is dying and she doesn't keep in contact and that kind of hurts for Ren. And so she just disappears for like, two, three years. And Ren sort of moves on with her life. And then the book fast forward to high school. And all of a sudden, Luna shows up again. Her mom has passed away. She's back in Southern California living with her aunt. And she sees Ren and she's like, oh, hey, you know, it's so great to see you again. And Ren is kind of like, we're not friends. Like you ghosted me. You completely dropped me. And she's having a really hard time I'm trusting Luna again. However, the school has decided to give um, the girls a chance at forming a basketball team. And this is mostly driven by this optimistic young teacher who looks around and says like, hey, why are all the sports in the school for boys? Why can't the girls have a basketball team? And so she tries to get this going and everyone's kind of like, you know, it's not going to work. Girls here aren't interested. Um, But Ren is interested. And she and Luna and three of their friends um, sort of tentatively agree that, yeah, we'll, we'll join the basketball team. We'll see what's, see what we can do. And, you know, they really, really suck at the beginning because three of them have never played basketball before. And one of them just doesn't really care. She's just there because all of her friends are doing it and they've kind of talked her into it. And so, This is just a really beautiful story about how they are bonding and navigating the complexities of, you know, individual relationships, but also like group dynamics and teamwork um, when they've never really had to, you know, navigate that before. And it's hard because Ren is very good at basketball, so good that, you know, she gets a lot of attention, even potential attention from scouts. Um, but the rest of the team's just not quite on her level. And so she has to learn how to be a teammate. The other girls also have to learn, you know, to stick with things, even if it's hard, even if they aren't good at it at first. And it's just like this really wonderful journey for them. Of course, it's also marred by sexism, because of course, the boys coach is not happy that the girls are, you know, now exist as a team, and then he has to share his resources. So there's a nice um, sort of feminist element to that as they are sort of just like staking their territory and saying like, hey, we can do this. So the other thing I want to say about this book is the artwork is gorgeous. It is absolutely vibrant and um, just so like saturated and beautiful. It's almost neon on the page. And it really creates this sort of like dreamy feel of reading this book where it fades and floats from color to color. Like if you get this book in person and you just look at the book block, like you can see just the absolute rainbow of color. And it made me gasp the first time I saw it. And just flipping through it, the colors are gorgeous. I've never seen a graphic novel 
work with color the way that a map to the sun works with color. So that for me would have made it stand out automatically. But then the fact that it's also this really beautiful story about female friendship and navigating all of the complexities of, you know, just individual emotional hangups and individual challenges and learning how to like let your friends in and and let them help you and also be vulnerable, which can be hard. So absolutely recommend a map to the sun. Although I do want to give a content warning. There is um, not graphically depicted, but there is depicted an inappropriate relationship between a student and a teacher. There is talk of drug use, um, violence and domestic abuse. Again, none of it's super graphic, but it is present throughout the story. So that is A Map to the Sun by Sloane Leong. And A Map to the Sun reminded me, even though, like I said, they're completely different genres and different art styles, it reminded me of Tilly Walden's work. So I want to recommend On a Sunbeam by Tilly Walden, which is this, like, honestly, it's a tome of a graphic novel, but it is really, really beautiful as well. The artwork also has a similar sort of dreamy quality to it. And it doesn't use quite as many colors as A Map to the Sun, but it has a really distinct color palette. And the artwork is very detailed and just really, I don't know, I'm trying to describe what it is when you look at this artwork and how you feel. It's just, you kind of feel like you've been immersed into this dreamy landscape, but yet it's very detailed and the world building is just really extraordinary. So this is a science fiction graphic novel, and it is about Mia. She has recently graduated from like high school, and she has joined this crew of um, basically restorers, I guess. They go around the galaxy, and they go to like old space stations and old, I guess they're not buildings in space, but like, yeah, they're like old space stations and structures. And they basically break them down for parts. So then the parts can be used in other structures and stations throughout the galaxy. And so at the beginning of the book, as Mia's joining this crew, she's very quiet. She's kind of reticent. The rest of the crew probably see her as like this very withdrawn person. And the crew is um, all women and non-binary folks, and they are very tight-knit, very close like a family. And so Mia's arrival is a little bit um, challenging for them because here's a stranger coming in to their very tight-knit crew. And the work that they do can be dangerous and it can be demanding. Um, So that that creates a little bit of complications. Um, But this book is also dual timeline. And so you get this timeline of Mia joining the crew But then it also jumps back to years earlier when she was just starting at this boarding school in space. It's like its own little space station. And she's kind of an outcast there as well. But she has this friend named Grace and she and Grace fall for one another. And they have like this very intense friendship and it very quickly goes into sort of romantic territory. But Grace is also kind of a mystery because she's kind of from this planet that like nobody is supposed to talk about or know that she's from there. And when she divulges this to Mia, it's it's a big secret. And so they have this really intense relationship and these beautiful sort of scenes of them sneaking out at night and 
there's this really odd and very inventive game that the students play at this school. And so Mia and Grace, you know, go and they play this game and they have a lot of like really beautiful secret moments. But then all of a sudden one day Grace is just like taken away from the school. Her family comes and says, nope, come on, we're going. And she's whisked away and she barely gets time to say goodbye to Mia. And that really haunts Mia. So you have that backstory sort of interspersed with Mia's current timeline. And you realize that she has an ulterior motive for joining this crew of restorers because they hop around the galaxy. And she's really hoping that she can find Grace again. So it's kind of like, you know, there is an adventure and there is some action and there are definitely some high stakes, but it's very much a slow building plot that kind of builds to a really rushed momentum. And and that's not like a bad thing in my mind, because it's like one of those books you're you're reading it and you're like, yeah, this is lovely. This is lovely. And then it's like, oh, crap, things get really real. So when Mia's two timelines kind of come together in a really wonderful way. That's when the plot takes off. But before that, it feels kind of like a cozy space novel, which is, I don't know, it's kind of odd to think about. But um, I think that Tilly Walden did a great job of balancing like these two sort of very different but interesting storylines and all of the details that are kind of dropped along the way they all come together really nicely. So again, it's just a very beautiful graphic novel, very detailed. There's, you know, again, just really great use of color, especially to delineate between timelines, which is super helpful for a very visual text like this. And it was really lovely. It's one of those books that I think I read probably three or four years ago, and it still really stands out in my mind. So that is On a Sun Meme by Tilly Walden. And that is it for me today. I hope that you are all staying safe and well-read this weekend. And thank you so much to our sponsor. You can find a list of the books I mentioned in the show notes by visiting bookriot.com forward slash all the books. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode, please show us some love by leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts because it helps other book lovers find us. And we also just like to know if you pick up a book that we recommend. And thank you as always to our sound editor. Jen Zink. Finally, if you want to connect with me or see pictures of my books and very sassy cats, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Tears of Price. That's uh, T-I-R-Z-A-H-P-R-I-C-E. And I will be back next month on a regular episode of All the Books with Liberty and with more backlist recommendations. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. Bye.